This is a podcast from the Queen City Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. My name is Logan. And that, of course, means you're listening to another episode of The Crowncast. And this one surprises me as much as it does you. Or maybe it doesn't surprise you. Maybe you were one of the people that thought, with two games left against Inter-Miami, who is at this point in time mathematically eliminated from the playoffs, Charlotte would really have their their playoff life in their own hands. If you thought that, well, I, I'll be honest, I need to take whatever happy pill you were taking. And here to take happy pills with me is Ewan. Hello, Ewan. Hello. Yes, I'd like to I'd like to pretend that I was one of those people, but uh, I think we actually have some audio evidence that I am not. So yeah, whoever those people are, fair play to them. <laughs> yeah, and if you are on the side of us who uh, looked at the the mathematical statement. It just just for the sake of a quick argument here, we're going to do a quick reaction because it is it is remarkable. I realize this is a post-react for our game against Chicago, and we will get to all of that. But it is remarkable how much the, the universe aligned in order to get Charlotte FC a real chance at the playoffs. I'm going to pull this up here really quickly because Charlotte FC now having won two games in a row. And let's be honest, we haven't done that in like, when was the last time we won two games in a row, Ewan? Oof. Like 2022, uh, <laughs> 2023? I was going to say, it's pretty. It's a pretty long time. Yeah, whenever it was. <laughs> um, so it having won been, two it, games... Technically, technically would have been the cup, but MLS uh, okay, yeah, that's a long true. time. Yeah, in the MLS, it's been a long time. And one of them was away. So... A critical away win, which we'll be talking about today. I, I'm I'm pretty excited. I'm pretty hyped. Uh, one of the reasons I'm beginning to really love doing post react is I actually get to like blur all of my thoughts and emotions out, uh, which hopefully makes for good listening. But if you look ahead of us, DC United is done. They they have no more games to play. They're on 40 points. They're one point ahead of Charlotte with two. Montreal. Still has one to play, but Montreal have to go and they play Columbus. Now, if you do not know, Columbus is a pretty good team. They're in fourth. They don't have a lot to play for, but they're still a good team. So it's very possible Montreal or Montreal would not be considered the favorite in that one match. New York Red Bulls have to play Nashville. Again, Nashville pretty safe in where they are. No one can really catch them. They're definitely like that seventh or sixth spot in the playoffs. Their win doesn't really matter to them, but still a pretty good team. Nashville will be favored to beat New York Red Bulls. You can go a step further, uh, and Chicago is kind of the outlier here in that Chicago and New York City have to play each other, and they are both in the same range as Charlotte, but what that means is that if Charlotte FC win one of their two games, just one of their two games, they will finish above either New York City or Chicago. One of them is gone if we win one game. And if we win one game, we could theoretically make the playoffs with just that three points because everyone else has to play teams that are more or less, or they would be not favored to win. That's been a bit of a ramble. Did that make sense to you, Ewan? 
yeah, yeah, that all lines up. I mean, it's all in our hands is the main thing here. We have mm -hmm. a game in hand, two games overall, where if we just take care of business, we will be in the playoffs. And like you mentioned there, taking care of business could just mean winning one of the two games. So we have a really, really good chance, kind of out of nowhere with the way it's lined up. And you've talked about the other teams there and their fixtures, what they have coming up. I think what's important to mention as well is that they have done us a massive favour by just being so out of form in these last few weeks that it has opened up spectacularly for us. And listen, it, one of the big ifs is Lionel Messi playing in those two games for Inter Miami. It's a big if, but I don't know. I just, it feels like if he is going to come off the bench again in maybe the midweek game that we have, then maybe we have to just go all our eggs in one basket with that one and and throw everything at that one opportunity. Because like you say, one win might be enough. So I have to, I mean, I think, I think from my perspective right now, keep in mind, I still have the hype train going from last night. Um, <laughs> this is very early morning. What do you think the odds are they're going to play Messi or Messi is going to play seriously? Because you you can't imagine they're going to like, tell Messi to go flying into challenges. They want him for next year. Yeah, I I think he will play because I think that if if it was an injury which was had some serious, you know, risk to it, then he would have just been shut down for the season. I don't think he would have been coming off the bench um this weekend. So I think that they are still gearing up to try and get into the postseason. So I think we're probably getting a messy start. Uh, midweek but at the same time they could just go uber reserved with it go fully conservative and just say yeah we'll we'll bring him off the bench you know we'll, we'll see if we need you kind of thing we fancy our chances against charlotte so it's obviously hard to predict injuries because we don't have the information but i think they're gearing up towards him starting in midweek if i um, have to be uh honest sadly <laughs> see i i don't think they're gonna i mean i think he'll play but I think it will be a, hey, run around, put a show on for our fans, but don't put yourself in any dangerous situations, protect your knees, <laughs> don't, yeah. don't, don't try and take anybody out sort of thing. Because uh, I, think that, I think the injury not necessarily was bad, but I certainly don't think it was good. They had a shot at playoffs, and they were on a good run. And I think them throwing uh, Lionel Messi on was just a last-ditch attempt because if they had won that game, they would be sitting on 36 points where they would still kind of have the ability to go and reach 42 where they could have gotten to playoffs if they beat us twice. Now it's gone. Like they have no chance. So I don't know. I think he's going to play, but I think Inter-Miami, and yes, I do say this intentionally, is going to be entirely on the beach. And I do not think it could line up better for Charlotte because I think we'll have two chances to go and, and kick them in the teeth. And realistically, if we get four points from that, the odds aren't awful that we make the playoffs. And if we get six points, we're in, right? Like that blows my mind that we could be here. It absolutely blows my mind. Final thoughts on this, Ewan? Yeah, I think another thing to factor in is, is is the fact that, I mean, Miami's 
eliminated now, aren't they? Just um, that they're out of it. Oh so, yeah, they're gone. Yeah, they're they're out of this. So I think there is going to be, and you kind of allude to it there, that that balancing between putting on a show versus the preservation for next season, and also you know a competing team wanting to give them players as much time as possible together to build for next season as well. There's a lot of competing ideas there. Um, so I do, I, I do wonder who will end up making this decision, <laughs> whether it actually be the coach or if there is some higher up influence on this. And I think when the higher ups get involved, they get their way because it's their club. So I think there's every yeah. chance that maybe there is a team sheet brought in from above for this game <laughs> midweek. Hey, I, you know, I would not be upset. I realize that you know, eighth and ninth isn't the isn't the traditional playoffs. You know, it isn't the hey, you're the top of the table, top half of the table sort of level that we wanted from Charlotte FC. But boy, I would take eighth or ninth right now. Like I would take the play in game, even <laughs> if that means that we have to. Even if that means that when we destroy whoever else is in that game. Uh, that we have to play Cincinnati because uh, I just think that's a a very a very big and interesting step, and it's a moment that I think Charlotte FC fans deserve, maybe even more than the team itself. Okay, let's uh let's step on away from the fact that miraculously it's back on, and let's talk about the game itself versus Chicago because I think there's some really interesting bits to get in here. I think it's a two crowns apiece sort of day what do you think about that yeah no, i think that's fair we don't uh what should we do first crowns or crowns it's uh it's a perfect perfect day for it <laughs> yep um then uh, you and i'm gonna let you go ahead and take your first crown yeah uh my first crown in this one uh is gonna go to uh Kerwin vargas uh for a specific reason mm-hmm. um and this is as much to do with him as it is to do with uh stuff that we would call Wednesday stuff. So I won't get into that too much. Um, <laughs> but with him on the wing versus what we've had on the wings in previous games, and, and we've talked about the reasons for that, the uh, the inverting, the, the being calm in possession, you know, making sure that we don't suffer transitions, everything like that. I think with Kerwin Vargas in the team, we have such better byline threats, which is something yeah. that I've talked about and it's something that I just think is really, really important to a team being threatening and being able to create good chances. And it's something that we've lacked because of how we've set up. And I understand why we've set up in that way. There's certain reasons for that, which involve, you know, transition defending, involves the fact that we invert our fullbacks and then they can't overlap. But with someone like Cohen Vargas in a team where it's like, okay, your job as a winger is to be what everyone would say a winger is, which is to get the ball and get after your fullback. And, him playing in this game, I'm just really glad that he, that, that Latanzio went with him because I was worried that he was going to go conservative with the wings and maybe try and win on the margins a little bit. But we actually went out overall with a game plan that was pretty attacking and Kerwin Vargas being in the team was a major part of that. And I think he played really well. I think he was about as aggressive as I've seen him play because he can peter in and out of games. But he was aggressive in this game. He was on it. And I think he's someone that... It's not first name in the team sheet territory, but if we're going to carry on winning games and have some success here, I think he needs to play. Uh, I think that's a really interesting shout out because we have talked about the cameos that he had previously where he came on and he just looked 
possibly like a negative, not even like a like a nothing. Like he really struggled, but uh, he came out last game and this game, or he came out last game with nothing to lose. And I do. I wonder if you could just bottle the nothing to lose mentality and sell it to athletes because <laughs> because they would buy that and they have the money like they would buy that stuff like you would not believe yeah um, wingers there, especially <laughs> wing, wingers especially there is something in athletes that is just different when they have nothing to lose when there is only you know i I've, I've been calling it the last chance saloon he came out in in the in the previous game like he was going to go all guns firing. He had that amazing little, uh, a little like touch on the sideline that blew my mind that just felt like he was playing in a different league in the last one. He comes out in this one. He's lightning. He's alive. He's very in the game. Like you said, there's a lot of space for improvement in the player, but this is a guy who, when he's playing conservatively, it shouldn't be on the field. Conserve conservative play shouldn't be Kerwin Vargas. You think that's a fair statement? Yeah, I think that's spot on. And I think that's why maybe we're merging the team selections with the play style the way that we are, because we come up with a game plan like this. And it's not a shock that we go with two conventional wingers starting on either side. So we, yeah, I think, I think talk- that matches up pretty nicely. Yeah. We talked about it before where we had the frustrations in the game where they, he played, uh, Justin Miram and Brecht Diagata, both on yeah. the wings. And we were just like, there's no width in this team. No one is intended to be on the outside. <laughs> and we had that today. I am going to, I'm going to go to Ashley Westwood for my first crown. He's somebody who gets, in my opinion, a bit, wow, this is going to sound insane to say it. And I mean this from like a crown and analysis perspective. He gets overlooked because he's just kind of metronomic and we forget that his metronomic is like an 8.5 out of 10, right? He, he very rarely does, especially since he's been sitting a little deeper in the backfield. He very rarely does that, that standout thing that you go, wow. And yet if you watch games back, Ashley Westwood is always grinding in the last couple games. He has really been committing himself to pressure He's really been committing himself to the defensive side of the workload. Uh, he's really been committing himself to learning that six position and getting forward more. And he's still just always there as a presence, as a calming factor for the team, as somebody who does have the technical ability to get the ball out of tight areas. And then he goes and does something like that. Um, if you missed... Ashley Westwood taking a ball, falling from... How high do you think that was coming out of the sky? You in 40 feet? Yeah, well, it had a little bit of snow on it, so we had to watch it in. I mean, um, <laughs> it was probably... <laughs> yeah, it had it was, a little it, bit of snow on it. It was, coming, it was coming from a serious high, and I was kind of... I was thinking whilst it was dropping down, we were going to get another Svidersky, and someone was going to take a, a boot where you don't want one. So uh, I'm glad it went the way it did. Oh my god! I have never heard that. If that's like a standard statement in football, oh yeah, be, yeah, 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 that might be, that okay, might was, be a Brit, that might be a British thing. I <laughs> oh, came down okay. with snow thought, on it. I thought you had just pulled that out of nowhere, and I was about to like make some award <laughs> to give you for that one. Yeah, I can't take credit uh, for that, unfortunately. <laughs> wow. 
Uh, the fact that he hits that one time and the, I cannot express to you, go out in your backyard, take 15 soccer balls, kick them all up in the air as high as you possibly can and see how many of them you can hit perfectly clean through with your laces at your target. It, the difficulty level here is a 14 out of 10. It is something that makes every highlight real because even other professionals, other professional strikers go, oh, yeah. Like, it, it's, it's a very special, very special moment. And it's, that's now his second goal for Charlotte FC. Is that correct? Think it might. I think he might have three. Um, I, I'm pretty sure it's um, the other one I have in mind is, is the one against Seattle, the uh, yep. the goal from range. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure there might be a third in there, but that's the only other one I'm remembering right now. I only remember the two, and I the fact that I remember both is because they were both just bangers. Like, <laughs> what a what a strike! If we had not just had a scorpion goal literally one game before i would be like i'd be considering this goal of the season what a guy uh let's talk about ashley wishwood a ashley wishwood <laughs> ashley westwood ewan <laughs> yeah i think you start with a really good point there that and this often happens with central midfielders who when you get a player that is very consistent and just turns up every single game you do get into a situation where they could be they could be the man of the match every single game, or you could just not talk about them after every single game. Because what is there to talk about? Sometimes you just you take for granted a little bit the uh, the quality that they have. Um, and again, yeah, amazing in this game. There's a cool moment as well. I, I don't know if you remember this one when um, when we're pressing down the near side, we're, we're trying to uh, trying to get some pressure on the opposition to to win the ball. And you can, and it's Kerwin Vargas who's going at the fullback who's got the ball. And Westwood, it must have been right near one of the pitch side mics, is absolutely barking at him, like at the top of his voice. Like, you know, I can't remember exactly what he was saying, but it was just hammering him, like, go, 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 like in his broad Cheshire accent. He was just absolutely hammering into him to get, to get into him. And that is one of the things where we see the play. We see his ability in build-up when uh, when the opposition are quite passive. We see all the stuff he does on the field. That was a nice little look into. Okay, this is the reason why this guy's the captain. This is these are the reasons why we understand everything that he can do football-wise. This is the extra stuff, and this is the extra stuff which I think if we go back to last season, people would have said is missing a little bit, a little bit of leadership at times, and not to bring in someone else into this conversation, but. We talked about Brant Bronico a lot and talking about what his role in is in the team, if he's perfect if he's perfect for it. But I do get the idea of having Westwood and Bronico as the two midfield bulls and they're just gonna be at you all the time and keep the you know, keep the hype up, keep the communication up and intimidate opponents. So Westwood, yeah, he was amazing in this game. The goal has a little bit of luck, I think we have to mention as well, because it does take a little nick um off the defender, which throws the keeper off a little bit. I would like to go on record here and say that if that doesn't hit the defender, it's going in. Like, I don't. Yeah, I don't know if we got a great angle at whether it was going in or not. Was it was it going in anyway? Because he was hit hard I, enough that the keeper's not stopping it. Yeah, it. I, I can't like I can't sit, show you a video and go, look, the ball is clearly traveling towards this this point where the goal is open. What I can tell you is it was clearly on frame 
And can, I can also tell you that if the goalie had attempted to stop it, it would have knocked the goalie back into the goal, <laughs> therefore having been a goal. So uh, that might not be the most scientific explanation, but I am choosing to believe that how well that ball was struck, it was a goal. There is no question. Yeah, <laughs> I felt bad taking a little bit of credit off in there. So, uh, yeah, I don't mind you mentioning that. But, uh, yeah, he was brilliant in this game. And like you say, just someone who gets overlooked a lot because of the consistency that they have. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really happy that he's getting this credit here because um, he's been a great player who, as we get to the season's end now, has had a great year. I think we have waxed lyrical about Ashley Westwood. Uh, so who do you want to go for for crown number two? Uh, to keep in the theme of uh, of consistent players, at least for this season anyway, um, and at least and very much for the last few games, I'll give it a crown to uh, Carol Swiderski. Because, like you mentioned, you could not talk about him or you could talk about him every single game. In this game, I... I thought and people may be a little bit shocked by this because a lot of people might think this was one of his lesser games not that he was bad but just that he wasn't at his normal level but I think he was really really good in this game for a specific reason of I think playing off of Capetti in a game like this who also had a decent game there were so many there was a lot of scraps to feed off of and his attentiveness which comes from something that we've talked about how on you know, kind of on the job he is and in his how active he is in the press and everything like that he was able to stop a lot of regains for Chicago just by the fact that he is so scrappy and so you know just just a 110 percent player and he was able to turn a lot of them into okay now we've got the ball out wide and we can cross the ball into the box okay now we've got the ball in settled midfield possession and we can do what we want to do from here with our box and and find little gaps and get balls in behind and it's one of those where you strip down the process of good things happening and take it back a few in, in, take it back a few instances and say, okay, well, how did this start? And a lot of it starts with Karol Svodersky getting a foot in or getting his body into someone. And it's one of those areas which maybe goes a little bit overlooked. So I'm happy to crown him for this because usually we're crowning him for the goals, for the assists, for everything like that. I'm happy to give him quite a specific crown for something that is a little bit overlooked, but is really important and is another facet to his game that just makes him a brilliant MLS player. Yeah, I think it's a really good shout out. Um, I think anytime you become the first player in Charlotte FC history to score in three consecutive games. Yeah. You definitely deserve a shout out. Now you could argue that for two of those games, it was penalties. He didn't win. I was going to say shout out <laughs> to that, but we'll, and we'll do it whilst Josh isn't here because there's no one who hates a penalty being scored more than Josh. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, we can let Josh weigh in on that later, but <laughs> I do think Carol has, I, not that I don't disagree with this card. It would not have been one I went for. and But what I do think I can say about this particular performance is that when I have questioned Carroll's uh, ceiling and his floor, if this is Carroll's floor, if he can raise his floor to this, kind of this, you know, like 6.5 performance where he's dogged and he gets his foot into a few things and when it's time to step up and take the big moment, he completes the big moment. If he can raise his floor to this, Carroll will be an MLS killer, right? I mean, that's that's just what it is. 
for me, this has to be his floor, not his midpoint. This can't be a middle game. Uh, and I do think he steps up and takes the the penalty really well, goes the other way. Obviously, he went left twice in the uh, in the one before. Uh, this time goes to the right, hits it perfectly in the bottom corner. No chance the keeper saving it. Well done, well executed. I think it's a good a good showing from Carol Schroderski. I am spoiled for choice for my my crown, and I think I'm going to do this not because other people don't deserve it, but just because I feel like it's the better talking point. And so I'm very sorry to everyone else on this team who probably deserves one today. Uh, I am going to talk Enzo Capetti. Enzo Capetti is obviously the strike partner to Carroll up there. They kind of get to play as a two in this game, and people, myself included, have been calling out for that for ages because I think that Capetti could do the hard work, the annoyance of the defense, the, the stuff that for lack of a better terminology here, pisses people off, <laughs> annoys <laughs> defenses, right? Like, uh, Capetti is going to get in people's head. That's his game. He's going to be all four of their back line, Dean, Omsberg, uh, Chigos, and Navarro, they, they were all looking at Capetti. And for good reason, if Capetti gets the ball at his feet, it takes two people to get the ball off him, which... I'm not going to say he always then like turns and makes a perfect pass, but he retains the ball very well. And when you're playing in this structure that sort of goes wildly swinging from one side of the other, his movement, his desire for the ball, his willingness to push off defenders, his God, I hate to quote Jerson, but uh, he's got the dog in him. (laughs) Uh, That's, that's for you, Jerson. And when it's just him alone, up there when he doesn't have the support that doesn't do anything but when he has the support once the whole team floods forward once we have Kerwin Vargas out on those wings and Kamal Yushviak out on that wing we have the width we have people coming through in late runs uh we have Brant Bronico pulling defenders away from him all of the sudden all of that work that he's doing comes alive and he gets a penalty. He wins the penalty in this one. And for what I think might be the first time in history, he has no idea that he's getting fouled. <laughs> I, I mean, he he is the player who is always looking for a place where somebody could have left their leg in. And I genuinely think when I saw the replay, and I haven't watched it back yet, when I saw the replay, he's watching the ball coming in the whole time. He is intending to score. And he does not know that player is there until his legs are out from under him. And... I think myself, as well as the referee, had to take a double take. I think there was a moment of, ah, that's just Enzo, until until we saw it again on the VAR check, and on the VAR check, he very clearly gets taken out. With support, everything he does shows up and makes more sense. And I really like the effort he put in this performance. He needs to go get a goal. For me, that's his next his next step. And the reason that I want to talk about him more than I want to talk about a Melanda or an Uronin or a Kalina. So uh, where is Capetti at for you? Yeah, one of the first things you mentioned about it being more of a two um, playing up front in this game with him and Svodersky, I, I agree. This was about as much of a front two with those two playing together as we've had rather than Svodersky dropping deep as, as we see him, which, you know, partly is why I wanted to 
Kraus Federsky just because he was playing up front and was doing different things, which were to his credit. But it's also to the credit of Enzo Capetti because, like you mentioned, he is just, it's, he's so good at striker stuff outside of scoring goals, obviously, at the moment. But he is so good at closing down players when it looks like it's a lost cause. He's good at getting a foot in, getting his leg into areas and being able to hold up a ball, which otherwise might just turn into a turnover of possession. And I think with Capetti doing that role, and this again, we're, we're, we're talking in almost quite simple terms about a lot of this stuff, but Capetti in his role, with everyone else in the roles they're playing, it all just makes a lot of sense now. We feel it feels at the moment like a football team, which is the oversimplification to end all oversimplifications. But him closing down, him holding the ball up, Carroll playing off him a little bit, the wingers playing conventional, providing width, two bulldogs in the midfield in Bronico and Westwood. It all just it, it's a nice it's a nice drink of water. And Capetti in his role is, and we've talked about this before. It's one of those things where when you talk about the things that he does, which are positive, it's like, yeah, but is this giving him a little bit of credit for the bare minimum? It's like, well, maybe it is, but the reality is is that a lot of strikers don't do this. They don't do the hard stuff. They're not willing to put their body in certain areas to hold up the ball and you know, even just win throw-ins, which help you maintain possession. He's just ticking all of the small boxes in what he does. Like you mentioned, goals, they've got to come. That's what's going to win over people. That's what DP's... In, in attacking positions get paid for but I do think that'll come because he's playing well and I think when you're playing well as a striker eventually the chances will come and you'll get a bit of confidence from that and I, that's why I think it's important to give him a crown and give him the praise because he's not scoring at the moment but he is doing a lot of good things and also for that penalty we've seen some histrionics from uh, from Capetti when he's getting little tic-tac fouls and maybe it is maybe it isn't mm-hmm. I was very excited for his reaction when I watch that because we've seen his reaction when he's maybe not getting fouled. So when it's an egregious foul, I, w- I was thinking we were going to get an all-time performance out of him appealing to the ref, but even he looked shocked <laughs> at what had happened. <laughs> I, I just, I, I, I mean, we're not doing a Chicago post react here, but oh my God, you'd be furious at that defender if you're a Chicago fan. A 1-0 game oh, and do yeah. something like that when, when you've got VAR. Oh my God. What? When, when you, now, to be fair, in our last game, VAR couldn't see the a ball had gone literally into the goal. So that defender might be <laughs> uh, might be forgiven for thinking that VAR doesn't actually benefit Charlotte. But it, it is. Uh, I think it's a good good performance from Copetti. Uh, we did. Is that four? Have we done four? That's four. Yeah, that, yeah that's four. Each. So we we are going to go ahead and uh, roll it up here into our final thoughts. So you and final thoughts for the day. Beat Miami. Beat Miami. I like Beat Miami. That's um, it. My, fi- my final thoughts are going to be, I see an effective team. And I mean that, uh, you know, all, all the caveats, yada, yada, the teams we've played in the last two games aren't great teams. But I see four generals. I see a defensive general in Adilson Melanda. I see an, a, a field general in Ashley Westwood. I see an army at the gates general in Enzo Capetti, and I see a, you know, like a special forces general in Carol Swiderski. And I like it. I like what I see. I mean, obviously it has holes. It's not a completed team. But at the very least, if those four people can play their roles, we will have something that looks like a team. And I'm excited <laughs> for it. And I hope you are too. 
Yeah, uh, we, I was just going to say as well on that, you mentioned those points in terms of everyone doing their roles. That's what I was getting at with just, this is a football team. This is a team mm-hmm. where everyone's roles and the way that they perform lead into the other one and lead into the other one. And just to pop in and give a little bit more extensive final thoughts as well. Um, the fact that we are playing games that really matter at this game of the se- at this time of the season, whether we make the playoffs, whether we go far in the playoffs, this is really good for the growth of a young team, that we're playing games that matter. This will serve as well going forward. And I'm really glad that it's worked out this way, even if our chances of going far aren't realistic. This is going to serve us really well, playing in these games that matter. Yep, it's good experience. And we will go ahead and begin to wrap it up there. So uh, first and foremost, thank you so much to you, Ian. Thank you very much. Always a pleasure. Yep. Uh, if uh, Thank you to you. The listeners, as ever, if you have decided to spend your time with us, we love you. Thank you so much for being here. If you want to find us online, you can find us on Instagram at the underscore crown underscore cast, on Twitter at the underscore crown cast, and that's it. Uh, We will talk to you again when we basically throw a celebration party on Wednesday uh, to just enjoy these two (laughs) wins. Goodbye. QueenCityPodcastNetwork.com. (laughs) 